1: We do our research. Have you done your research? We're working like heck. today. Hey, guys. You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? (laughs) Let the dogs out. You know,
3: like, ooh, let the dogs out. Ooh,
1: ooh. Off the Hook, airing on offthehooksports.com. Your home for real news, real opinions, and what really matters about Tennessee athletics. It's available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, TuneIn, iHeart like share follow subscribe always available wherever you find your favorite podcasts good morning to
4: you and yours it is a wednesday and it is an eventful wednesday as tom brady has decided to retire from the nfl after about 89 seasons and (laughs) you get into the debate of uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, and we want to discuss that. also, uh, some ties that a lot of Tennessee players have to uh, Tom Brady. There's a lot more than you think, including one way back. How about a guy named T. Martin, Dante Stallworth? We've got a lot that we want to dig into uh, with the Brady retirement and how it ties into Tennessee. But there's also National Signing Day today, so... I don't expect from the sources I talked to for Tennessee to sign any prospects um, today. There could be a surprise, I guess, but I don't think that's going to happen. It would certainly be a surprise on my end. And um, we will visit with Caleb Giroux about what Tennessee ultimately did with this signing class, including transfers. We'll talk about some 2024 guys later in the program. And also, Ron Slay will visit us, and we love that Ron Slay brought to you by Zach England the Best of Brock. Zach's got your back, one of the best personal injury attorneys in all of the United States, especially in Chattanooga. But let's get right to it, and that is Tom Brady retires. I, I am at least glad that he didn't hold the world hostage by dragging this thing on um, There were a lot of places he could have gone and perhaps uh, tacked on another postseason run, but I didn't see a place that was going to be a natural fit like Tampa or Denver for Peyton Manning in which he could just step in and be the favorite to win the Super Bowl. So your thoughts on Tom Brady's decision to retire? Travis says it's about time. I tend to agree.
5: Yeah, I am. Um... I wasn't so surprised. I thought it might be a couple more years. I think a lot of people think when he retired last year and came out of retirement to come back, I think people think that triggered the divorce with him and Giselle. I think his and Giselle's marriage was already probably on the outs, and he retired to see if he can make it work. And when he realized he couldn't really make it work, that's when he decided to come back. Um, So I think that the way Tom Brady played in that last game versus Dallas, um, we hadn't seen – We hadn't seen that Tom Brady before, which is Tom Brady was under a lot of pressure and was making a lot of errant passes because of the pressure, which if you've watched Tom Brady over the past, maybe five years, he has been making more errant passes when he's under pressure. But now the supporting cast has dwindled from that loaded team in Tampa two years ago. And let's just be honest, Dave, Tom Brady was not going to find another situation with a team that was as loaded with future Hall of Famers as that Tampa Super Bowl team was in 2021. I think that it's very similar to when Michael Jordan retired in 98. No disrespect to Michael Jordan, but what people don't realize is the Bulls were not going to be able to keep that team together. And Michael would have been stuck in a rebuild mode when he if he had come back in 98, 99. And I think it was very similar where there was nowhere Tom Brady could go where he wouldn't have the insane amount of Hall of Fame talent around him that he had when he first went to Tampa two years ago.
4: Well, I think the Bulls could have kept it together, but they didn't want to keep it together. As far as, as Tom Brady, I, I wonder, as it affects Peyton Manning's legacy, how will Peyton Manning be remembered 10, 15, 20 years from now? Because if you look at the stats, you're going to see Tom Brady has broken all of Peyton Manning's records. You're going to be able to look at the Super Bowls, and obviously he has had more success. He has that innate clutch thing with him, which to some extent I think is a little bit overblown. I think guys perform better oftentimes in the clutch because they're on the better team. But how do you think this affects uh, at all uh, what Brady has done over the course of his career, how Manning will be remembered? And we remind you to please hit that but the thumbs-up button allows us to bring in more people. And if you haven't subscribed yet, we need you to do so. So how, does, how is Peyton Manning viewed 10, 15, 20 years from now as, as opposed to Brady and what he did?
5: Unfortunately, um, Peyton Manning will not – well, most people are going to rank him behind Tom Brady all time. They're going to be wrong when they do that. I have – I have, I have staked my claim, and I will die on this hill. I'm not saying Peyton will go down as the greatest quarterback ever, because I'm, guys, I'm seeing Patrick Mahomes might be chasing him, too, with the way Patrick Mahomes has been playing. But Peyton Manning, I got, I got one stat. I got one stat that just throws every Tom Brady said you can throw at me out the window, and this is the only stat I need. Matt, Pey- Tom Brady suffered a season-ending injury, not yeah, season-ending injury in 2008, with a quarterback that hadn't played football, organized football since high school. They, the Patriots went 11 and 5 that year. Eight years later, Tom Brady was suspended the first four games of the year because of a deflate game. With Jacoby Brissett and Jimmy Garoppolo, the Patriots started the year 3 and 1. What happened with the Colts the year Peyton Manning went down and was out for the year with an injury? They were two years removed from going 14 and 2 and going to the Super Bowl. Without Peyton Manning, they went 2 and 14. Like, that is an insane. No team got so much significantly so significantly worse without Peyton Manning. That's the hill I've always died on. I I talk all the time, you know, I I, I used to make these jokes, you know, we all y'all seen those Dave, you've seen those Chuck Norris sites, right? You know, how great yeah. Chuck Norris is I have made those jokes but comparing them to Peyton Manning, which is to say stuff like Jesus turned water into wine, but Peyton Manning turned that Colt's team into a winner. One miracle's greater. <laughs> yeah
4: I, I, I... I would be with you if we were talking about four Super Bowls to two and I hate the fact that wins and losses is is a quarterback stat. I think that's silly. I think the entire team is a factor in each and every win and or loss and I think to say this, this guy has won more games than another quarterback is insane and I don't think there's any question that Brady stepped into a better environment but I can't in my mind rectify, and I, I wrote a column that'll be on Off the Hook Sports.com later today about how I believe Peyton Manning changed the game as far as the freeze plays and what he did. And I think everybody does that now. And I think Tom Brady even picked up on some of that, whereas his first Super Bowl, he was just largely along for the ride, like a Trent Dilfer, so to speak. But I can't in my mind justify calling one quarterback better than the other. And I get your numbers, but there's no way to me that I can justify seven to two. If it was four to two, if it was seven to four, I could roll with that. But seven Super Bowls uh, as opposed to two is just a massive, massive difference. And the fact that you have Tom Brady with the uh, incredible comeback, Against the Falcons, the fact that he won so many clutch games, I do think that there was a clutch advantage there. So I, I've got to go with Brady, and and I really don't think it's it's even that close. The thing, the other thing that I was very impressed about Brady with is, let's face it, Peyton did it his way. He came in, Jim Mora did not like the way he he ran the offense because he was essentially the offensive coordinator, so they made a change. And what they did is they let Peyton completely run the offense with the freeze plays that I mentioned. But you've got a guy in Tom Brady that did it different ways. He leaned on Randy Moss. He leaned on the small slot receivers. He leaned on tight ends. He did it a lot of different ways. So I think it's a lot closer than a lot of people will think 15, 20 years from now. But I got to go Tom Brady. I just think the Super Bowl discrepancy is too strong.
5: Okay, let's talk about the Super Bowl discrepancy for a minute because I'm, I'm willing to go down this rabbit hole because, yes, it's not just playing on teams that were better, which we know Tom Brady did. Yes, there is also a I'm sorry, but there's a luck factor in Super Bowls and every player has, you know, tons of players have had luck when they've won it. It is kind of unprecedented the level of luck Tom Brady had. Let me just break. Here's one stat for you, Dave. You ready for this? Before this year, uh, you know, if the NFL was sudden death overtime. If you score, even if you scored a touchdown until this year in the first drive, it was still sudden death. Tom Brady in, in, in the playoffs, his teams are 3-0 and on overtime coin tosses. Peyton Manny teams are 0-3. You can't, like, that's like a luck factor that you could not – that's insane to have that discrepancy. Then there's the tuck rule, which worked in Tom Brady's favor in his first ring. And funny enough, 11 years later – Peyton Manning had a similar play where he fumbled against the Ravens in the playoffs, and it was ruled against him. Um, So they just kind of reversed course on the tuck rule uh, overnight. I still haven't seen that rule called in anybody's favor ever again. I mean, I watched watched Tom Brady lose his last game to Dallas two weeks ago, which you were watching, I'm sure, as a Cowboy fan. Yes. And I was so sure Tampa was going to come back and win because of those missed extra points, because that is the type of stuff that is – Helped Tom Brady throughout his playoff career. Let's not forget the year we, we're talking about Patrick Mahomes. I just talked about how I think Patrick Mahomes may end up going down as the greatest of all time. Patrick Mahomes should have two Super Bowls right now. Patrick Mahomes had given the Chiefs a touchdown lead against the Patriots in 2018, and Brady was doing a game winning drive and he throws an interception. But because a Kansas City player lines up off sides, has no bearing on the play whatsoever. The Patriots stay alive. They score a touchdown. He wins the coin toss in overtime and goes and scores. And Patrick Holmes never gets a chance to get on the field again. You got me with so you got me with Brady on a couple of things. I do think Brady has Manning beat longevity wise. Like Man- Manning did not do what Brady did this late in his career. I can't take that away from him. I cannot take that away from Tom Brady. No one did what Brady did this late in his career. But to me, that's kind of like if I were to take it to baseball for a minute. That's like Hank Aaron versus Mickey Mays and Willie Man- Mickey Mantle and Willie Mays. Excuse me. Um, Hank Aaron's a home run king, but everybody who watched baseball in that time knew that Willie Mays and Mickey Mantle were better players in their prime. True. Hank Aaron just did it longer. And no, I, I agree with that. And I actually give and, and hit that like
4: button, the thumbs up button, and let me hear on the message board why you think Peyton Manning or Tom Brady are, are better than the other. I think uh, it'll be interesting to see, because I know we have a lot of Tennessee fans, what you what you think, because uh, I understand if, if you're not 100% objective, who wouldn't want to root for Peyton Manning after all he's done for Tennessee? I actually give, if you want to talk just one Super Bowl by comparison, I give Peyton Manning a lot of credit for, I give him more credit for his last Super Bowl than I do Tom Brady for his. Now, I had a, a very close friend of the Manning family, and you know Cooper had the neck issue, which ended his career in college. Well, they thought it was hereditary and, and similar, what Peyton had, and that at one point before the season in which he sat out and then he went to the Broncos, he literally couldn't firmly grip for a handshake. That's how bad his right hand was. And I was told by a friend of the family that it's, it's probably over. He's probably done at that point. Now, there were reports that he went for stem cell therapy, and I'm sure at his level of an athlete and his level of socioeconomic status, that he gets the best care you can imagine, and he was able to play, and that's great, and I'm glad. But to be able to come back from that, and if you watch the, the playoffs towards the end, you could see his arm slowly go downhill. In the final month and then and in, and in the playoffs. So I've got, I give him more credit for that than any of Brady's individual Super Bowls, maybe the exception of the comeback against the Falcons. But uh, I got tremendous respect for Peyton Manning. I really do. I just, I, I can't, I can't put him even really on the same level. I think it's Brady and everybody else. I think it's Brady you drop down. And then you talk about Manning, Montana, Bradshaw, and all those guys. I think it's a totally different level, Caleb. I really do.
5: Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I'm sticking with my guns on this. I'm putting Brady in this. Look, I'm putting them all on an island, to be fair. I don't think Brady's on a separate island. I'm putting them all on an island. By the way, I'm putting Dan Marino on that island. I don't care that Dan Marino didn't win any rings. Um, The only thing I hold against Dan Marino is apparently he never wanted a run game, and he fought against having a run game, and that was to his detriment. But – I'm 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 sticking with my guns on this. And um let to to talk a little bit of X's and O's for a minute. I think one of the things that if we could just bring up some playoff stats, a lot of people don't know this cuz we talk about clutch genes. Manning has had a Manning has is averaging more yards per attempt for his career in the playoffs than Brady is. He actually had a better playoff QB rating than Brady did too for his career until Brady went to Tampa. And I got to be honest, To talk X's and O's for a second, anybody that understands Bruce Arians' offense and understands the receivers that they had, uh, you know, for those who don't understand, Bruce Arians likes to flood one side of the field and go with a vertical attack on one side of the field. Brady was flooding one side of the field with Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Antonio Brown. Two of those guys are probably going to the Hall of Fame. If Antonio Brown didn't sabotage his career, he would have gone to the Hall of Fame. So three three Hall of Fame talent receivers to one side of the field. It was the easiest vertical attack you could ever do. Even if you had a noodle for an arm, you could have done it. And I think it, by the way, just another one stat, total QBR. That stat came into play in 2006. Brady played 16 seasons with total QBR as a stat. Manning played nine. Manning led the NFL in total QBR four times. Brady's only led it twice.
4: I'll I'll, I'll close it with this. I think that, I think Manning had a bigger impact on the game. If I had to select a guy tomorrow, it would be Tom Brady. If I had to create um, a penthouse in the Hall of Fame in Canton, Tom Brady would be there and uh, other guys would, would, would be around, but he would be center stage. Nevertheless, um, conversations about Tom uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady brought to you by Andy Mason Realestate.com. Andymason Real Estate.com with Andy Mason has about 40 years of experience in their group, and they're going to make sure you get the right home, and they're absolutely phenomenal when it comes to buying and selling. How about their business tenants? Very simple. They're going to give you the best service and the best prices. Don't somehow waste thousands of dollars by going elsewhere with another realtor. You do not want to do that. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. is my realtor. He should be yours. AndyMasonRealEstate.com. Tell him off the hook. course, said, Jill, take care of you. I can promise you that. Hit the like button, the thumbs up button, your thoughts. And it's funny to me, there are a lot of ties between Tennessee and Tom Brady that some people are not aware of. You pointed that out uh, this morning that t martin was one of the brady six which i hadn't heard that term before explain what that means the brady six
5: yeah there's a there's I, I can't remember if it's nfl network or ESPN, but it was um back in 2011 there was a documentary on the six quarterbacks taken ahead of tom brady in the 2000 nfl draft um and it was i remember making my wife watch it and she was actually like It was supposed to prop up Tom Brady, but she found herself just feeling bad for the other quarterbacks because it was just making fun of the other quarterbacks. But there were six quarterbacks taken ahead of Brady. T Martin was one of them. Funny enough, T Martin and Brady, both of them became starters in 98, the year after a four year starter left Brian Greasy at Michigan and Peyton Manning at Tennessee. Ironically, oh, in college. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, college, college. Michigan won the national title the year before T. Martin became the starter. Tennessee won it the year after Peyton Manning. And so there's some funny ties there, too. But, yeah, T. Martin was part of the Brady Six. Um, Another Knoxville kid was part of the Brady Six. Chad Pennington was another one who was part of the Brady Six. Mm -hmm. Um, Which I think if he didn't get hurt, didn't he have just a rare arm, too, Chad Pennington? Uh, uh he never had a strong arm i can't remember
4: if he i think he may have had an arm issue as well um i thought he was a very solid player i thought his arm strength always held him back a little bit
5: okay he got
4: um, he, he's one of the few um i believe that he got
5: comeback player of the year twice i think so um the other ones were chris Redman. um Somebody that San Francisco took, I forgot his name, that they thought was their next Steve Young, and they took him over Tom Brady, who wanted to go to San Francisco. Just So, yeah, T. Martin is part of that, is part of that crew. Um, beyond just T. Martin, though, uh, that 2007 Patriots team that you know went undefeated and lost to Eli Manning in the Super Bowl, um, that team had Dante Stallworth and Kelly Washington on it, which was the dream duo of Casey Clawson in 2001, uh, which is also interesting. I do believe Rashad Baker played for the Patriots for a minute. Yeah. And also uh, for about a seven to nine year period, this is the most ironic part about Brady's tenure. Brady's prime were the years he never won a Super Bowl. He never won a Super Bowl in his prime, which was when he emerged in roughly like 2006 when they started to put the offense behind him as opposed to rely on the defense up until like his physical peak, which lasted till about 2013. That was. On defense Gerard Mayo was leading the defense during that time who was just an all-around great player. I also think I know you covered him Dave. I think he's just an all-around great guy too. Yes, uh, good dude. Yeah. And Gerard Mayo was the star of the defense. It's 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 kind of sad that they didn't really win a Super Bowl together because Mayo suffered a season-ending injury his last year and then or in 2014, excuse me, in that year the Patriots won the Super Bowl. Um, but he was still. If you were to name the best defensive player during Brady's time, I mean Mayo's right there with Teddy Bruschi, Asante Samuel, Ty Law. I mean he's in that he's in that conversation, even though he didn't get a Super Bowl like the other ones. So there are there are lots. Oh, and Cordero Patterson won uh, his last Brady's last Super Bowl with the Patriots. Cordero Patterson was on that team. Now,
4: and I'll, I will add this as well. Here's here's a roundabout. You mentioned Randy Moss. Randy Moss played with Chad Pennington of Marshall, who played um, at Webb. And uh, you also have Randy Moss, who played for Tom Brady. And Randy Moss said recently on Monday Night Football that he might have come to Tennessee had Peyton Manning showed up for his official visit. So that's a roundabout. What about
5: that one? (laughs) Yeah, I would have... um... Seven was seven degrees of Randy Moss. Marcus Nash is thinking his lucky stars because he would not have been a first-round draft pick if Randy Moss were playing at Tennessee in 1997. All crazy. due respect to Marcus Nash, uh, he, he was a product of Peyton Manning. And-
4: Very, true. Very true. Is your dog suffering from arthritis or anxiety issues or digestive issues? Well, if so, crafttreats.com is where you need to go. The Chill Pills in particular crafttreats.com use the promo code off the hook that's the promo code off the hook you can check out their other holistic treats as well they are phenomenal again crafttreats.com but with the cbd they'll take care of your dog don't let your dog be in pain or discomfort go to crafttreats.com use that promo code off the hook ron slay up next we will be back in two minutes stay tuned off those sports
0: family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler and I wanna be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater.
1: Inflation has risen to the highest level in over 40 years, according to the April 2022 U.S. Inflation Calculator. Will your investments provide you the income you need in retirement? Are you losing purchasing power of your savings due to inflation? Simply stated, if the cost of goods and services are 8% higher and you're only earning 4% in your investments, that money buys you less of what you need. Right now is the time to act. Call Guardian Investment Advisors today.
7: Chattanooga, we're
6: at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us best of the best criminal and DUI law firm.
1: And finals for best law firm and best personal injury firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down. Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get to Vassy Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassy here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassie's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive. Got cataracts? We can fix that.
0: Never miss another moment with a little help from doctors Campbell, Cunningham, Taylor, and Hong at cctis.com. You
4: know, the funny thing, Caleb, is had both of their careers started right now, Tom Brady and Peyton Manning, I could easily see Peyton Manning having the more successful career. With an offense like the Colts had built around him, as opposed to let's say a a defensive minded coach with Bill Belichick, because the game has changed a lot since Peyton Manning came to the NFL in 1998. I mean, it's you can't use your hands as much in pass defense. It's they they want to protect the quarterbacks. You don't take as many hard hits. You know, had it reset. And tomorrow they start their careers. I could see the way the Colts did it and the way Peyton Manning did it resulting in more success than the way Tom Brady and the Patriots did it. Does
5: that make sense? Yeah, but you know, here's the funny thing. I think they would both have trouble. I think that here's the th- the thing that made Peyton Manning so great where he had his edge, the NFL changed so many rules to give so many other quarterbacks the chance to be as good. So my best example with Manning was his quick release. Um, I talked at length all the time. I always insisted those Colts' offensive linemen were overrated, including Jeff Saturday. They needed to be smart, not maintain blocks. Peyton Manning's request for the linemen was, create a space for me to step in the pocket. That's all I need. I don't need time. I don't need that much time. I just need a space to step in the pocket. And let me throw the ball because he had such a quick release. Now the game is so protective of quarterbacks that allows them to hold the ball so much longer. The quick release is not as much of an edge over other quarterbacks that it was when Peyton Manning came into the league 20 years ago.
4: No, uh, Fair enough. Um, uh, Tom Brady retires today. And we were discussing earlier the ties that uh, Tennessee has to um, that Tennessee has to Tom Brady. And you mentioned Gerard Mayo and Dante Stallworth. I mean, there, there were several guys that did have that tie. Um, and, and then with Peyton Manning, we were discussing also how he will be remembered 10, 15, 20 years from now. And I do think that he'll be remembered as obviously one of the all time grades. There's no question about that. My, I, I wonder largely if, his media presence, um, Caleb, will affect how he's remembered and viewed. Because I think that John Madden, because of his broadcasting, that the popularity of his game is, is remembered by some, a younger generation than me, and way younger than you, as not one of the best and brightest coaches in NFL history, And he was and he he had basically an anxiety attack on a trip to Pittsburgh during the plane ride and said, I just can't coach anymore. And that's why he didn't coach anymore. Had it not been for that, he was the youngest person before Sean McVay to win a Super Bowl. Uh, Had it not been for that, he was one of the, the great young coaches in the NFL and and would have had a fantastic career, probably with multiple Super Bowls instead of one. Peyton Manning, will he be viewed as this media darling moving forward? Or will it not taint, but maybe tarnish what he did on the field? Ah, distract. It, distract is about it,
5: it may distract. I don't know we'll how to see how it plays out going into the future. Um The hard part with Peyton Manning is I make a case for – you know, he still has the record for most touchdown passes and most passing yards in a single season – there have been two NFL seasons with 17 games already, and I think Patrick Mahomes, go down as the greatest quarterback ever, still hasn't topped what Manning did in 2013 with those two records. But I do think at some point those records will be broken because the NFL has expanded the regular season. When they're broken, and if somebody catches him in five regular season MVPs, then you might be, we might start having that conversation. Um, we have to see what Peyton Manning does, but Peyton Manning to me is a case study for quarterbacks going forward too. There was always this talk that you have to go to the big market, New York or or L.A. or wherever, and you've got to like market your brand in the all season RG3, to his detriment, did that after a rookie of the year season, and it really cost him focusing on marketing his brand rather than winning. Peyton was like proof that if you go and you win and you do your job, you will become the most marketable person in sports, and it doesn't matter where you go. He went to Indy, and as you know, Dave, when he went to Indy, that was not an NFL town. That was probably the saddest franchise in the NFL.
6: Mm-hmm.
5: And it was a basketball town. It was all about the Pacers and the Hoosiers. And, and he became the most marketable athlete in the NFL because of what he did on the field. You, I, I say the same for, like, however people want to feel about him. LeBron, most of LeBron's career was in Cleveland, and he became the most marketable athlete in the NBA playing in Cleveland. You don't have to be in the biggest market. You just, if you produce at the highest level, your endorsements are going to come.
4: Well, yeah, and you have some guys like Joe Burrow who just doesn't even do endorsements because he wants to focus on ball. He, he hasn't even done one single interview um, with a one-on-one local media member yet in Cincinnati. So, you know, he's just a Jim rat and doesn't care about stuff like that. You won't see him on commercials. We see Josh Allen all over the place. The other guy that I thought was overexposed with Baker Mayfield. And what that does is quickly turn uh, fans against you during your playing days. They're they're wondering, even though it just takes a couple hours to shoot a commercial, they're wondering why you're doing all that instead of uh, practicing football, especially when you lose. Uh, that is uh, certainly brought up. City Heating and Air Conditioning Integrity Matters in Knoxville. They service the entire Knoxville area. That's cityheatandair.com. Integrity Matters. City heating and air conditioning is fantastic, and they'll make sure your HVAC unit gets the service it needs, and they're not going to tack on a bunch of uh, extra things as well. So your thoughts on the message board, Uh, Manning, Brady, where do they stand? How close are they in terms of their greatness? Um, I I have uh, Brady on a different level. Caleb does not. Caleb actually – thinks that Manning is uh, the better overall quarterback. I, I will again say this. I think Manning had a greater impact on the game and the way he was able to essentially call an offense at the line of scrimmage. You just do not see that uh, any longer. And uh, or you didn't see that beforehand. Now, you tend to see it all of the time. So uh, also National Signing Day, uh, wanted to be sure to mention that. Uh, National Signing Day just doesn't appear as if much as is going to happen. I'm curious um, if, if you missed National Signing Day, if this is the right way to go for not only Tennessee, but college football. And Caleb, I'll be real frank with you. I'm, I'm not sure that it is. Um, I think that you're going to lose some elite coaches of the NFL because of dealing with the NIL and dealing with the National Signing Day that Because it was moved up to December, and yes, it is national signing day today, but Tennessee, according to my sources, is not going to sign anybody. And it has altered the schedule in which coaches used to take their vacation in June. Well, now June's a recruiting month. So, I mean, these guys are lucky to get two weeks off. Um, I I would like to see it altered moving forward. Now, you know how the NCAA moves incredibly slowly, so I don't think that's going to happen. But I also think it would benefit Tennessee if it moved in some shape, form, or fashion back to the way it used to be. I thought, always thought Tennessee got a lot done during January that was under Philip Fulmer. Um, I, I thought they, they made up ground. They always seemed to be, even with some of their better classes, just a little bit behind, but would make up ground in January and close strong. Now, there was the one exception where they finished about, I think, twenty eighth in in the country in in the mid two thousands. I don't remember the exact year. You might, but for the most part, they closed strong. And I think Josh Heupel would be a strong closer as well. I I, I would, I would like to see an adjustment, but I'm not going to hold my breath.
5: Yeah, I think here's when I think they're going to be forced to have an adjustment. We know what's coming up with college football. Um, in. Two years, the college football playoff expands to twelve teams. That playoff is going to start in December. You're going to ask coaches who build their programs on recruiting, which most coaches in the playoff will, to have to close the deal with recruits as they're preparing for a first-round playoff game. There's no way in heck that uh, that coaches are going to be able to all pull that off together. And it was—it's bad enough with bowl practices right now, but at least you know with early signing period okay, you don't have a bowl game until January or late December if it's one that if it's one that matters, per se. And now you're saying, okay, when is the early signing period? Usually middle of December? I mean, you're talking like the same week that they're going to have their first-round playoff game, they're going to have to be closing deals with recruits. And, Dave, wouldn't that – I swear the stress, wouldn't that kill a coach at that point?
4: Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm told – by many people in the coaching community that these guys are ready to bolt to the NFL as fast as they can. that uh, the whole mentoring of athletes and growing young men is kind of passe nowadays. They show up and oftentimes they're already expecting a check and they think they've got everything figured out. And goodness knows I love him to death, but I've got an 18 year old, so I know how that is. And um, I, I just don't see that uh, coaching, to me, from the outside looking in and from the people I talk to, college coaching is nearly as attractive. You have to deal with NIL, constant roster management. Now, for some weird reason, I think Josh Heupel kind of enjoys it. And I think he actually is, is very good at it. I don't know why in the world he likes it, because I wouldn't want to reset my roster each and every year. But he seems to be fine with it. And that's the way he's handling his business, and it seems to work. Now, I don't know uh, that, that Tennessee can I, – I don't know that Tennessee had a great transfer portal uh, time, but I do think that um, ultimately uh, Josh Heupel will be a guy that is, a, that is better suited to managing a constantly changing roster been of uh, than a lot of other guys. Want to get to Joe Milton's Heisman odds? I didn't see this one coming. Uh, brought to you by uh, uh, Zach England of Best and Brock. Zach England, personal injury attorney in the Chattanooga area, that will go toe to toe with the insurance company lawyers, and we'll win. It's just that simple. So, Zach England, of Best and Brock, Zach's got your back. Joe Milton, Heisman Odds, and I heard this conversation, so let's talk some Tennessee quarterbacks because also uh, I thought a very interesting piece on ESPN by Pete Thammel, who we reached out to and uh, wasn't able to join us, but uh, one Hendon hooker. But let's start with uh, Joe Milton, Heisman Odds. What are you hearing, Heisman Odds, because that, first of all, future bets are not a great play. You're more the gambling guy. I'd like your thoughts on that, but uh, betting on Joe Milton to win the Heisman at this point seems uh, pretty reachy. Pretty reachy.
5: Yeah, he's got the seventh highest odds to win the Heisman. He's number seven, um, which is he's so he's top ten. Ahead of him are and, and Joe Milton. You can get him at plus eighteen hundred. So, if you want to, I, I do my math right. You drop ten dollars, you win one hundred and eighty. I mean, or is it? Yeah, you win one hundred and eighty if you dropped ten dollars. Um, so you know, nice little payout. You put one hundred, you win eighteen hundred ahead of him. Caleb Williams, which makes sense; he just won the Heisman. Uh, Florida State quarterback Jordan Travis, Drake May at UNC, which we aren't surprised by. Michael Penix Jr. and Bo Nix at uh, Washington and Oregon, respectively. For those who don't know, Washington Washington's offensive coordinator just turned down an offer from Alabama. Didn't even. Really didn't even take a pay raise to stay at Washington. Just chose not to go to Alabama. Where was Drake May in that again? Uh, Drake May was behind Caleb Williams and Jordan Travis.
4: Uh, I understand Caleb Williams being number one. I don't understand how Drake May is not a close two. I mean, that, that is because he has hype. Coming. I think if you went up to the average college football fan, they would know exactly who Drake May is. I don't think that they would necessarily know who Jordan Davis is. I think they would know who Caleb Williams is. I don't think they would necessarily know who Jordan Davis is. So to have that sort of hype going into it helps. Peyton Manning proved you can be overhyped, but a little bit of hype and name recognition is very helpful.
5: Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, and, and speaking of name recognition, one player I miss, Sam Hartman, is ahead of uh, Joe Milton, too, at, at Notre Dame. But yeah, Jordan Travis, number two, kind of throws me off. I still – I'm not the biggest believer in Mike Norvell. I don't know if you are, David, at Florida State. I think that people are really overhyping what he did this past year. I I, I, I still think Mike Norvell really just delayed an inevitable firing with a decent year. This was the – this year that Mike Norvell just had at Florida State was the Mike Shule 2005 year at Alabama where he delayed his firing by one year because he took advantage of a down SEC that year and went 10-2. Remember that one? Yeah, I do. I do. I do. It's
4: coming up. We're going to talk with Caleb Jaru of Off the Hook Sports, get his thoughts on the National Signing Day, and uh, that's kind of eventful. As uh, stated on our message board, the most stress-free signing day I can remember, I agree. He said, however, I can see that December is a nightmare for coaches. I can take a little drama uh, to keep coach hype. And, uh, man, Travis, I do not hate Joe Milton at all. I love him. I love him. I think he's a great guy. I think he's a great story. I hope nothing but the best. I don't hate or love, I guess I love Cooper Jr. since they work with us. Um, Travis says, I'll put money on Bazooka Joe all day. Portions of the program brought to you by the official craft beer of Off the Hook Sports. That is Zul Beer, xulbeer.com. If you want to go to Zool Beer Company, xulbeer.com. Zool Beer is downtown and it is Phenomenal. They have parking in Knoxville. They also have worldwide award winning craft beer that is Zool beer. So check them out. Coming up a complete recruiting breakdown. So you won't want to miss that as it is a quiet, albeit national signing day. It is a quiet with Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker We're back in uh, two minutes. And I think Ron Slay is going to end up joining us as, as well. Stay tuned. More after this
0: sun, sand, and salt water, the beach is a very relaxing place. Unless you wear contacts, ow! Open your eyes to the best the beach has to offer with LASIK Vision Correction from Campbell Cunningham Laser Center. Ah.
1: Do you want to own the more that owns every job? Then get the Vashti Lawn and Garden in Cleveland and get you a Toro. I'm David Vassy here to talk to you about Toro. With a Toro Zero turn, you'll get more out of every minute and you'll reach the finish line faster. At Bassie's, we like to say, no matter if you're mowing three acres a week or 11 lawns a day, homeowners and business owners alike find confidence in equipment they can trust from top to bottom. Bassie Lawn and Garden, Highway 60 North in Cleveland. Man alive, it's worth the drive.
6: Hey folks, Gary Viles here, Viles Automotive on Callahan Drive. I've been selling cars here in East Tennessee for 27 years. In that time, I've come to realize it's not about the car. It's about you, the customer. So I'm here to take care of you just like family. Good credit, bad credit, you name it, we can get you taken care of. If we don't have it, we can find it for you. We go across the country to get any vehicle that you want. And here at Viles Automotive, we don't believe in fake numbers. We just give you great deals. And as always, we want, we
7: need, and we appreciate your business. Hi, Mike Davis here with City Heating and Air, reminding you to always dare to compare. Our team provides quality local heating and air service, installation, and maintenance across East Tennessee. We use only the best equipment like American Standard Heating and Air Conditioning for your residential, new construction, or commercial needs. Honesty, dependability, and customer satisfaction have been the cornerstones of our business since 1961. City Heat and Air. Chad to
6: Chattanooga, we're at it again. For the fifth year in a row, you voted us Best of the
1: Best Criminal and DUI Law Firm. And finals for Best Law Firm and Best Personal Injury Firm. Thank you for the love, Chattanooga. We won't let you down.
0: Our family has been creating jewelry since 1986. Each piece unique with a story all its own. I'm Rick Terry with Rick Terry Jewelry Designs. I'm a jeweler, and I want to be your jeweler. We're grateful that you chose us to be Knoxville's best jeweler. My family and staff look forward to serving you. So please come see us. Kingston Pike and Campbell Station Road in the heart of Farragut and downtown on Gay Street, right next to the Tennessee Theater.
4: Welcome back. He is Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker as we're joined by Caleb Giroud now. And, Caleb, it's kind of a quiet signing day. And uh, let's get your thoughts on uh, what's going on as Tennessee's Signing day has gotten incredibly quiet, as most around the SEC. Um, I'm hearing Tennessee signs no one, Um, so let's just kind of get your thoughts on the entire class.
2: Well, I mean, this is probably the slowest national signing day in a while. They didn't even host any 23 guys this past weekend, so it shows that Josh Heifel is content with the class he's got. I mean, when you have a five-star quarterback in Nico Iamaliva, at the top of your class, you really can't complain. And then top to bottom, he filled some needs with cornerbacks like Jordan Matthews. And then obviously SEC recruiting, you always need to have offensive tackles, defensive tackles in your classes. And he filled some of those needs as well. So I think, and this class sits at number eight right now, and it'll probably end up staying in the top 10, because I don't think any other schools around them, it might drop to nine if Oregon signs a couple of guys today. But besides that, I think they'll end up with a top 10 class that fills a lot of needs and, um, Sets them up for the future. I see this class as the foundation of what is building at Tennessee.
5: Uh, Gerard, I wanted to jump in a little. I, I, I want to get to some of the – there are a couple of players, obviously, we know Tennessee brought in a couple of transfers and preferred walk-ons over the last couple of days. But first, just on a broader scale, you talk about Tennessee having the number eight class. and it'll probably stay in the top ten. As we know, as you said about a week ago, Nick Saban's been on a tear he is ready to take out his anger mm-hmm. on the rest of college football for having not won a national title the last two years and he signed nine five stars how close can tennessee get to recruiting on the level of georgia and alabama on a yearly basis i don't know and is it i don't know if it's ever possible for them to do what alabama did this year but do you think it's possible for them to get to georgia and alabama
2: average yearly recruiting basis I, I don't know. I, Alex, Nick Saban, the the nine five-stars this year, broke a record. So, obviously, I don't think that's ever attainable again. But you see they're just established programs, and I don't know if you can beat that. Obviously, Josh Heupel won some recruiting battles this year, and I think keeping Tennessee guys in Tennessee is the first step. So, Arian Carter out of Middle Tennessee, Alex, he, he looked like he was locked up. Nick Saban had him, and then he committed to Tennessee. So that's a good first step. I think you have to keep Tennessee guys in Tennessee. And you also saw Josh Heupel have a lot of recruiting success in Georgia, but it wasn't with the five stars that Georgia wanted. I still think that if Georgia and Alabama truly want somebody and give them a committable offer where they're talking to coaches, you know, at least weekly and actually want that kid on campus, I don't know if Tennessee can win those battles. So what are your
4: thoughts? Um, let me start with uh, you. Giroux of uh, Josh Heupel's ability to close because I, I think that a, a signing day in February like it used to be would benefit Heupel because of the way he is able to close. Um, yeah, I, I, don't, um, I don't necessarily think that's the case with a lot of other coaches. The, the way it's set up now, you're kind of scrambling and it really hurts the teams, as Caleb pointed out, that are in contention uh, for the college football playoff, and I think that Tennessee will be in the future. So let me start with you, Jairo, and then jump in, uh, Calhoun. That just your thoughts on would Hypo be a good closer under the old system? Because I think he would be really
2: good. Well, and you look at how much success they had this season. It's kind of obviously if you're an offensive player, Tennessee catches your eye. Like there's no way a wide receiver – gets an offer from Josh Heifel and says, oh, I don't want to go there. It's Tennessee because that's not the case anymore. Obviously, this offense is a wide receiver's dream. It's a quarterback's dream. Where I worry is on the defensive side of the ball because if Heifel wants, let's say, a a four- or five-star defensive lineman or linebacker and Georgia wants that same kid, what's going to get that kid to come to Tennessee where he has to, you know, play 70, 80 plays a game with little rest when he can go to Georgia and play amongst probably 11 of the best defensive players in the country and consistently put up big numbers so I do think the old system would probably benefit Tennessee just because you kind of have this longer time to mull over and everybody who visits Tennessee always comes away impressed and talks about how Hypo texts them every day and checks up on them every day so I think eventually that has to like I guess like get into a kid like this coach really cares about me he's texting me every day and I don't think that can happen when recruiting is sped up to the beginning of December
5: yeah, I, I'm I'm with you on that, Jairo. Um I think it would help Tennessee and Hypel. I, I think it would help a lot actually, because as we know Hypel can close and Hypel more than there are there are two there are two ways Tennessee is gonna recruit in the future. One is NIL, which is out of Hypel's hands, because Tennessee has the best NIL collective in the country. And the other one is selling what Hypel did on the field. I'm not sure that Hypel is the he's not the Saban or Kirby Smart type of recruiter as is. I I I think that what you said about the defensive guys is more of a concern than people realize because I don't think it's – I think Tennessee can shore up its defense, but I think given Hypo's system, I don't think it's ever possible for them to have a defense that really sets you up well for the NFL because, like you said, you're going to be on the field a lot, and you're going to – there are going to be some issues because of that. Dave, what do you think? I just – I don't think that – I think when you run an offense like what Hypo runs – Your defense is always going to have issues.
4: I think they're always going to have issues, but I I think they can get a lot closer to middle ground. I think they can. And you started to see that towards the last half of the year when they had a couple of drives that were six minutes. And I think when you start to have that, then your offense doesn't have to score as many points and your defense gets more rest. Um, And then you know they can play – real defense as opposed to this vertical defense, which, I, listen, I'm all for sacks and tackles for a loss, and, and that, that's great. But at some point you have to be able to play defense and have complementary football. I just don't think they have that right now at all. Um, but, but they're getting closer.
2: And I think another thing when you look at recruiting is Hypo hasn't put guys in the, into the NFL yet at a large number. Like you look at Alabama, they might have the top two picks in the draft this year. So Saban can go to a kid who's mulling over, you know, maybe I want to go to Tennessee, maybe I want to go to Ohio State, and Saban can tell him, hey, look, we have Tua who started for Miami. We have Jalen Hurts who's in the Super Bowl. We have this guy, this guy, and this guy who all got drafted and have success in the NFL. If your goal is to be a successful NFL player, which for most kids now is, then he can sell that to them. And I think that's where we see, like, this class is a good foundation, but I think it's a foundation for what Heifel can grow because if they have a successful draft class this year – and then next season also have a successful draft class. That gives Heifel guys where he can go to a high school kid and say, hey, look, we put Darnell Wright in the NFL, and now he's an NFL O-lineman or stuff like that where there's proven things that can happen, where in Heifel's first year he was kind of saying what his plan was, but nothing had happened yet. And now you have a successful season and hopefully a successful draft class. You have stuff you can put on your resume to send to high school kids and to show what your program is about.
5: Yeah, Heibel's selling point at this point is
2: uh, it,
5: it is Drew Locke to say, hey, even if you're bad, my offense will put you in the NFL. <laughs>
4: yeah, I mean, I also wanted to touch base on, with, with both of you guys. I know we're getting outside of recruiting. Are there, there any 2024 guys you want to mention? I know Tennessee's Junior Day, but Jairu, any 2024 guys that you're keeping a close eye on in particular?
2: I still think Boo Carter is probably the biggest guy in this class because he's one where – He took a visit to Colorado, and from what he said, he was impressed. Going into the visit, he said he just had to see it, which is like the Deion Sanders effect. Like, you get an offer, you just have to go. You have to see it. And coming away, he said he was impressed with Colorado. So that'll be something to watch. And I really think he's probably number one in that class. And then I still like Cameron Franklin, who was here over the weekend. I watched some more stuff about him on Twitter, and he just looks super, super explosive on the field. And he's a guy that I think Tennessee could get and probably play as a freshman.
5: Yep. And, go ahead. I was going to say uh, a couple of prospects. I just wanted to talk to, as we know, Tennessee just signed Virginia tech transfer tight end, Cody Duncan, who is the brother of commit Trevor Duncan. And they also got a three-star quarterback to commit yesterday as a preferred walk-on kind of a big deal, given the fact that they only have that we know of Nico Imoleva and Joe Milton, you know, as we've seen, as we saw with San Francisco, the other night, sometimes you need to go three deep at quarterback. What are your thoughts on these two signings?
2: Ryan Dameron from um, Henry County, Tennessee, or Henry County High School in Paris, Tennessee, he passed up an ETSU offer, and I think he has had some other uh, FCS offers to be a walk-on at Tennessee. It was his dream to play at Tennessee. And now that gives you two quarterbacks in this class. And that also gives you Gaston Moore and then the younger Schuler, who could possibly all compete for third string. And obviously Gaston Moore was the backup in the Orange Bowl. So, obviously, the plan has been there for walk-ons to be the backup. So, I think now that gives you, you three guys who you could possibly have as your third string. So, God forbid somebody gets hurt now that you, you actually have – you have bodies. You have somebody you can put at quarterback who can at least hand the ball off. So, but Ryan Dameron, he had some pretty impressive high school stats. He played all four years at Henry County. It's a 5A school. They went to the playoffs all four years. And his senior year, he broke the record for passing attempts with 162, completions with 106, and he has the second most yards in Henry County history with uh, over 1,300. And then Cody Duncan, like you said, the older brother of Trevor Duncan, he's a Catholic high school kid. He graduated in 2019, and he was a walk-on at Virginia Tech, and he played some special teams his freshman year. But this past season, he ended up having to sit out because of injury. And he's a walk-on at Tennessee. And he also had FCS offers, excuse me, but he passed those up to walk on walk-on at Tennessee, play with his brother. And that's another position that really doesn't have – depth you talk about quarterback they have Jacob Warren who obviously is probably penciled in as a starter and then you got transfer tight end McClellan Castles who's kind of iffy on SEC play and then you have a, fre- a true freshman in Ethan Davis so now you have a fourth body at tight end who has D1 experience that could probably give you some reps at tight end or at least on special teams again like he did at Virginia Tech.
4: Uh, Raleigh um, uh, dropping uh, five bucks into the super chat function of- Appreciate that. We don't actively throw that out there, so that's nice of you to do, Raleigh. And uh, Raleigh saying, uh, sorry guys, just hopped in, just had to say, darn Calhoun, looking super fresh this morning. Good morning, guys. And you are. So maybe instead of the super chat function, we'll just call it the a super chat fund, we'll call it the hair gel fund.
5: Well, guys, I'm working overtime because in Tom Brady's retirement, Tom Brady is Benjamin Button, so he's aging down. And I'm fighting really hard to keep myself looking younger than Tom Brady because I am younger than Tom Brady. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking
4: about that this morning, and I'm not, which is uh, uh, daunting. Uh, Tom that- Brady's
5: going to look younger than you soon. The way he ages down. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, now he doesn't have to have the stress of his play caller setting him up for failure, so he might age down even more. Yeah,
4: or a wife, Vassy Long. <laughs> Bassey Lawn and Garden Man alive is worth the drive it's in Cleveland, Tennessee. If you're uh, getting together and your industrial fleet of mowers for your business or you have a commercial uh, landscaping company, Man Alive is worth the drive from Knoxville, Chattanooga, uh, Nashville. Come to Cleveland, Tennessee because of their buying power. You'll get fantastic deals. Check them out on Bassey.com. Bassey Lawn and Garden. Man alive, it is worth the drive. So uh, we do have uh, Ron Slay. Just heard from him. It's the whole time change thing. So uh, he will visit with us a little bit later. Looking forward to that. And um, guys, this, this signing day should come and go without any great surprises. We'll have a complete coverage on com in our written form and talk about where Tennessee's class ends up. But the one thing I hear is uh, from the message boards on, on YouTube, and I don't re- rely on them entirely, uh, needless to say, but not enough help on defense out of the transfer portal. So I went into this thinking couple of receivers, quarterback, and a lot of help on defense. So it just as we look at it now, we'll dive into it deeper. What's your early grade on just the transfer, not the class, but just the transfers
2: that have come
4: in?
3: Uh,
2: I would go like a C or – I. actually, I'll go B because Dante Thornton is a big pickup at wide receiver that can impact you day one. Now, I do agree that defensively there's probably a letdown there because, I mean, Tennessee's defense for – I mean, they were awful this past season. They ranked near the bottom of FBS, and they really had to score 40 or 50 points a game to share up a win. So, I do think – that you look for more defensive talent and there is another transfer portal opening at the end of May so there always is the possibility of getting more defensive talent and I really think this coaching staff wanted Davidson son from um, Ole Miss I probably butchered his name but he ended up committing to Ohio State and they and I wrote about it on Off the Hook Sports but they um, they were in the running it seems for Davidson for a while and then he ended up over the weekend, took a visit to UCLA. I think he – it wasn't a formal visit, but he went to USC and then Michigan and Ohio State all in one weekend, and he ended up committing to Ohio State. So I feel like maybe if he didn't take a tour of every school over the weekend that Tennessee might have landed him, but he never even visited Tennessee because he said he was familiar with them from his high school recruiting. So I really don't understand what happened there fully. I think that was a guy that they should have got – if they wanted him and that he would have benefited this defense greatly. But they end up with Gabe Judy Lolly as their only defensive back out of the portal. So defensive back is an issue. They get Jordan Matthews as a true freshman. I'm sure he could figure it out if they needed him. But I'm curious to see what happens in that DB room from now until August. Caleb, did you ever play basketball? I
5: never uh, played – I mean, I played organized church league basketball. Wrong, I never competitively. Wrong, Caleb. Jaru, did you ever play basketball? Uh, I mean – Pick up, sure. All right, well, you just
4: got boxed out. Ron Slay joins <laughs> me. <up. laughs> wow. Wow. You like that? <laughs>
3: no, man. Caleb answered the first thing. You said wrong, Caleb. Hey, man, something wrong with you, Dave. Yeah I just I hire people and rename them. Like, yeah man, church league, you know, yeah, I can get out a little bit. <laughs> hey, all three pointers and layups in the church league, Caleb. I, I respect that. I know what that is, for. <laughs> I used to play I used to play that when I was about 11 year old Eleven years old, man, when the, with about the, the 18, the 18 and up guys. Church league boy, they used to make me go down there and rebound. I hated it. I never used to get to shoot. They used to get to shoot all these crazy threes, contested threes. So I feel your pain in it, man.
4: Yeah. Well, you just you you boxed Jairu right out of here, so you're <laughs> gone. Uh, and you knocked him, you knocked him right out. Uh, Tennessee uh, number two, and and the debate begins for probably the top eight or so teams in the nation. And this does seem to be a wide open year of can they make the final four? Yeah. If, if, can Can Tennessee make the final four? How confident do you feel that they could make the final four?
3: I'm very confident. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm as confident as we are that Zakai Ziegler can keep this up. I think that that that's it for me right there. Um, um, Adding in what Olivier brings to the game, if he can – not 27 and 8, but 12 and 8, 12 and 6 consistently. If he can bring that the way Josiah's playing, the way everybody is playing at this level, um, and not saying that Zaki is playing through the – through the roof, which he is, but at the same time, just the point production and assist to turnover ratio. So when you look at that, man, him only having since the second half of Mississippi State, I think four or, to, or five turnovers, give or take one. Um, that's pretty impressive, man. Because some of those games are on the road, um, high octane, high, high octane games like Texas, you know, where the ball is up and down and they're playing full court pressure. Big Twelve being one of the biggest the best ten, um, conferences in the nation right now, the way they played against them, um, the top two teams out of there, the way they played against Kansas early on in the year, something has to be said for that. You know what I'm saying? So um, I, 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 I think they're Final Four already, man. And the way they're being treated to me is the reason why. Because I've never seen a pro, even the basketball program be ranked number two in the nation. And it it not be any if you think think back, what was it, two, three years ago when they were number number, they reached number one or number two or something, it was, the hoopla was crazy. It was like, whoa. I was even saying, like, hey y'all, hold, everybody, wait a minute, wait a minute, like pump your brakes just a little bit, give them time, you know, and then you know they tumbled a little bit but kept fighting. But in this situation, number two to me is so earned, it's so earned, and it's not no hoopla around it. Like if this was hyper's football team, and this is no knock on them. If this was Hypers football team, uh, imagine everything that will be around it if they were number two and, and stamp a solid number two. like No question. Not like the, the rankings come out and they got to play number one Georgia and they flip it for the ratings and, then, and then something like that. This is a real number two team that stayed there, lost Colorado, worked their way back up, lost to Kentucky, worked their way back up, stayed there hovering around five and four. People lost in front of them. They jumped in number two and there's no if, ands, or butts about it. If this was Vitello's baseball team, would we be arching? I mean, would we be up in arms talking about number two? Everybody, I see everybody walking around with Vols baseball shirts and things like that. Why why is the fan base? And maybe it's me. Maybe no, I'm too I, close to the situation, but I don't feel the love, really.
4: No, I don't think it is you. And I think Tennessee basketball fans have always been intriguing in that respect. I, I felt like... um there were times that they gravitated towards teams that weren't as good as other teams. I'm trying help me with the year specifically, but I, it was it was Tony it was Tony Harris was one of the leaders of the team. Yep. And now Jerry Green made some public comments that didn't right. That that hurt. Yeah, that hurt. But I just felt like the fan base never really gravitated towards that team and was almost waiting for them to lose. Yep. I don't. I don't know. I don't see that in other sports though. I don't know why.
3: And, Dave, I think maybe that's why it's touching me so much (laughs) because even that that's my sophomore year, which was Tony's Tony's senior year, we were ranked number four in the nation. Right. And it didn't feel like we were number four. It felt like we had more hoopla the year before when we went on the Sweet 16 run, you know, um, with people embracing us. And and instead, with everybody pretty much coming back, you didn't feel like, man, just – this is the team right here. It was still like we had to go out there and show and prove, which is cool. You know what I'm saying? There's a chip on the shoulder. We we can roll with it. But I just don't see it, man, in other places, in other sports, other programs where you got to fight. Um, and, and, and listen, Coach Bars has been in this situation many a times. Um, now you even have some of these guys like Santi and guys that have been at the bottom and been at the high Your side been through a lot of it um, where they understand that, what comes with the fanfare. And sometimes it is better to go up under the radar. But my thing is, man, embrace every moment and give the flowers when the flowers are supposed to be given. Even if it's win or lose, give them the flowers and let them roll with it. Let them decide. Like you don't choose to be able to get to the end and be like, I told you all year. I told you the balls were good. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. No, <laughs> nobody, nobody told us the balls were supposed to be right here. No, they did not. So um, that's, that's my whole thing, man. Like, I don't want to hear people, um, and I'm keeping receipts. I don't want to hear people jumping on the bandwagon like, oh, man, I told them the balls were going to be right there at the final four. No, you did not. No, you did not. Like you just said, you was waiting on the shooter fall. You was waiting on them to get put out in the first round. You waiting on them to get them put out in the second round. So when they make this run, and I said when they make this run, I'm going to have everybody right there. I'm going to be checking them off at the door, right there at the door of the boom boom room. Uh, can you get in? Nope. I looked at your social media. You wasn't riding with them? You? Nope. You know, I'm just going to check it out. And you ain't going to be able to get it. you just going to have to watch. I'm going to put a little window. I'm going to cut a little window out, a small one, where everybody can look in. They can pay $5 to look in the window and watch this team celebrate going to the Final Four. And then they got to move on. They got two minutes at the window. That's it.
4: For, for the basketball boy <laughs> out there, Ron Play's <laughs> appearance, brought to you by Zach England of uh, Best and Brock. You can go toe-to-toe with those insurance company attorneys. And he will win a personal injury attorney in Chattanooga. Zach's got your back. The best in Brock, Caleb.
5: All right. Someone is going to have to bring in the objectivity. And, Ron, you can Let's put do it on that list. And I'm ready to go. Let's go.
3: Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. I'm with it. I'm with it. You
5: strike me, Ron, as someone who does think Hoosiers was a good movie. And it was a horrible movie. <laughs> And I say that people who think this Tennessee basketball team is final four caliber right now are still stuck in an old school way of basketball that hasn't existed in college basketball in the shot clock era, and the 30-second shot clock era. And my take is they are shooting right now, and I just pulled it up, and I pulled it up yesterday, but I just want to be sure, 33.9% from three. Nobody since the 30-second shot clock started has shot worse than 36% from three. Mm-hmm. Ron, you were one of the unique players of your time. You shot 37% from three um, as a power four. I will mm-hmm. never forget, by the way, to your credit, Jim Herrick, like being absolutely shocked that you could hit those three pointers <laughs> yeah. in a post-game press conference.
3: <laughs> yeah.
5: um, how could you, Ron Slay, mm-hmm. a who a big man who worked hard on your three-point game, mm-hmm. respect a team that can't even shoot 35% from three in this era?
3: Okay. Yeah, I so Caleb. Let me let me answer you one by one. First, I've never seen Hoosiers. Um, reason being, I know I know there may be a demerit on my part, but I never <laughs> buy into the fads and the the oh this movie is so great and I, like I never buy into it. To me, Glory Road was one of the hell of a movies that um uh, that that that's up real high up on my list. But outside of that, when you look at it, I totally understand what you're saying, Caleb. I totally understand. But this is my thing with this team. You don't have to um, consistently be there when shooting that way, but you do have to be able to answer the moments. Um, And when it's called upon for you to make those shots, the way they play defense and the slumps that they go through offensively, when you combine those, if you can make shots such as the Mississippi State game when they were reeling and Santi couldn't get going, you know, his his shoulder was knocked out. So you were looking for someone to be like, who can take that moment I think that was the biggest thing. The reason they lost against Michigan last year, because when Santi was moved out of the game and taken out of the game by being denied, who can make those shots in that moment? Josiah missed them. Zakai missed them. Olivier um, was out. You know, Euros was being the five guy to try to make the decision, making good decisions, but guys were missing the shots. In this situation, ever since the Kentucky loss and there being a physical performance that didn't rely on shooting, I just think they got pumped in that game. Outside of that game, Colorado is an anomaly. You know what I'm saying? We'll accept that. Arizona, it was what it was. Arizona was really good. That's a team that they could see in the Final Four. Or they could see in the March Madness and it could come to a head. Um, But outside of that, you look at the Mississippi State game, who answered the bell? It's a cat in the second half. The LSU game, um, you still had guys being out. Who was the guy to come in and answer the bell? Tyreek Key, he answered the bell. You know what I'm saying? So in these moments, when you're asking people, Josiah answered the bell, when you're asking people who answers the moment, the biggest, and efficiently, it's in the real guys. You know what I'm saying? I think this is what they were missing. When it comes down to the numbers, now, that's one thing I'm not. I'm not a numbers guy. I hate numbers because I'm more of an eye test. Put me in the moment and see what I can do in that test because one thing for sure, if I'm not shooting well, um. You better not have nobody else shooting the ball coming down the stretch of this game. I tell you that. I don't, get, I don't care if I'm 25% in this game. You give that ball to somebody else, we got a problem when we get to the locker room. And I, it is what it is. You got to suspend me, whatever, but I'm, I'm checking somebody. So I'm an I'm I'm in-the-moment guy. I test guy. The numbers, I understand them. But, man, this defense um, and not turning the ball over, I think that was a lot of the problem, too, when you come down the stretch of games turning the ball over and Santi being denied. I'm okay with Santi being denied now uh, to me. It doesn't look like people are standing around. Just keep running Santi off the bottom of double exit screens at the, at the the low block, trying to get them open and they just switch it. Now, instead of everybody doing that four times and looking, man, they just pass it to Josiah. He go to work. They pass it to Zakai, and his man got so much space off of me. He's knocking that shot down or, getting past him or it's so much people so many defenders staying with their guys olivier has time to operate now that's the one that's the key to me that's the key to me will he play with that aggressiveness for the rest of the season or will he start catching the ball like this was the first time he caught the ball and didn't keep looking at the other basket he faced up i was like oh wait a minute. What are we doing here? Like, maybe he went back and looked at the Grant Williams tapes. Grant would get it every time and face up immediately. Like, why wouldn't you be a threat? So when you get to see him doing that, this this is a different mentality team. And guess what? All that pays off because you got four seniors out there lead. Yep.
4: Ron, when you watch – you talk about the eye test. When you watch Sakai Ziegler. Let's pretend I've never seen a Tennessee basketball game, and you and I are sitting on the couch and mm-hmm. we're, watching, uh, we're watching Tennessee play. Do
3: and- we got? Do we got beer? We got libations. What we got? Going, what we got going on? We just water and popcorn, or what?
4: We got whatever you want. <laughs> no, we got it all. <laughs> we got <it> all. <laughs> exactly. But I'm but I'm on a strict low carb diet, so I have to be careful. Uh, okay. But. Um, when we're, watching, when, we're, when we're watching the game, and I've never, let's say I've never seen Tennessee before, and I go, this is a Kai Ziegler. What do I need to look for early on? Because I've heard he can be a little inconsistent. Mm-hmm. What do you see in the first five minutes of the game that indicates whether or not he's going to have a good, great, or
3: okay game? Um, I, I watch to see if he is, how what, what is dictating his game. That's what I always watch for. And anytime it's the defensive end, that means he has a foundation. He's all right, because one thing about it, man, when you're looking at him, you got four of your teammates looking at you for you to set the tone, offense or defense. If you're on defense, they're watching you to see how you pressure the ball, where they should be in the help side, what kind of intensity they should bring. And then on offense, it's the same thing. They're watching you to see what play we're going to run. What what do we need to get into? If you look dazed and confused, then we're going to be in trouble. But to see his, 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 his calm. Um, and look as if he knows what he's doing and running the team the right way on both sides of the floor. That's what I look for first. You can kind of see it on him. Um, if he's kind of, I guess, like scatterbrained and thinking about a whole lot of different things. Like, man, I need to get the score. I need to kind of just man flows with the game. And he has a great um, he got a great thermometer right now on well, great thermostat on the game right now because he goes in to sets the tone. And that's the climate for the game the the entire way. And he's done a great job of not wavering in that. Even the games that they lost, um, Mississippi State, he came out. It was like he was pressing. You know what I'm saying? It was like, let me run the offense. And, uh, oh, but they pressuring. Oh, what do I need to do? Then he tried to start doing too much. No, man, you fast beat them. You can't pressure you. It ain't those, what are you playing with the ball for? Up on you, go by him. Back up off of you, you can set up whatever you need to but you got to use that. So it looks like he has a good good gauge on exactly what pace he should be playing with, how he should be doing it. And um, he lets his defense dictate the game. That's what I love the most.
5: Ron, uh, going back to Olivier for a minute, because he, you're right, he might change my mind. Uh,
6: <laughs> because if
5: he gets, one of the things that I knew Grant Williams could do so well was Grant Williams could stretch the floor. You know, he could yeah. pull 15, 20 feet out. How important is it for Olivier to be able to do that on a, on a consistent basis, particularly when Zakai is being yep. Zakai going to the basket? Yeah, a threat.
3: I think that's that's huge. Uh, I think you look at it, and um, when we were talking about teams like Arizona, um, the reason they're good, especially playing the style they play, they play similar to what Tennessee plays the two traditional big men, like which nobody really plays. Like, when you're talking about stretching the floor out with a four man, um. It's different nowadays, you know, I they could throw me at the five nowadays and I'd be all right and still be able to stretch the floor. I think that's why Arkansas was going to be dangerous by Brazil being able to stretch the floor and be that athletic guy. But with Olivier, it's important because you playing with a five man, a seven footer the majority of the time in um, Euros down there. Or if he subs out playing what they do down there Um um, and then if, if Toby gets in with him, it's kind of the same thing, just shorter, but he he's not going out far. So he's gonna be right there in the paint. Um, so you gotta be able to have four guys on the perimeter. So the paint is not so clogged the way Zakai is playing. If his guy can pressure up on him and you got two bigs down low, I mean you got four people in the paint clogging it up like the old early 90s and mid-90s of NBA basketball. You go beat your man, and it's another help defender right there. Right now, with the floor being spaced like that, you beat your man, and there is no help defender. The help defender is Olivier's or um, whoever the five-man is. The reason Euros had a really good game against Kentucky because the floor was spaced. He took Olivier out, and Euros was right there just moving to the open spot. They're getting there, dropping it off. It's a breakdown. It's an easy bucket. So with two bigs down there, it will not happen that way. You cannot get the movement. You cannot get the passing and cutting in that way. I think that's why the small lineup has been – um actually working really, really well because the floor is so space and you have to you have to um deny the shooters where you not deny, but you can't leave them for as long. So it's important for Olivier to be able to knock down not just that 15 footer when you're getting it in one on one, but at least 18 to 20 to keep his man at least one step from him. You know what I'm saying? If he two steps from him, that means he in the paint playing zone, he can recover, you're not really a threat. But one step, then you gotta kinda guess. So yeah, I think it's it's big time for Olivia to be a threat out there.
4: Ron, last thing, and I'll, I'll let you run. I know you got a busy day. So, um, the uh, game tonight, key matchups, and where's the tougher place to play? Is it at Florida or at Kentucky?
3: Oh, for you, for your time. Oh, I'll my. Oh <laughs> man, my um freshman and sophomore year, I'd say um Florida and I think a lot of it is because of the teams that they have um how much the fans get behind them how rowdy they become um Florida's always a rowdy place regardless but when they got a really good team like they are they're they out there way before warm up start you know and then getting ready you can hear them when once you get off the bus you start walking through the tunnel you get into the locker room you can hear the fans from the court you are like man is it fans out there already you know what I'm saying so that's what they got going on when they got good teams. Rupp, I've always been, man, like when Rupp has a good team, when they go on runs, they're dangerous. To start the game, and when they go on runs, that's when it's it gets loud, like you can't hear yourself. But if you don't keep if you don't get Kentucky on the run, they're not as dangerous. You know, it's it's a lot of people there. And you know, I always I was the belief that they were pumping artificial noise in there, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just don't believe that. The wiser people were getting that loud, you know what I'm saying? So, um, but I, I will say, a uh, rub you have to play with not only the crowd noise, you got to play with, against the tradition too. So, you got to play against them banners and stuff hanging, which brings a different dynamic to it. So, Florida, when they got a good team, Kentucky, when they got a good team going on runs, you know, along with the tradition and everything else.
4: And, uh, any keys tonight that you're looking for in particular?
3: Yeah, man, they got a. um. They got to keep Castleton um, in a box, you know, um, it, it, keep him below his double-double. Um, I'll accept 10 and 8 from him, you know what I mean? he probably change a couple of shots by three blocks, but keep him right right, right there. Don't let him be igniting, um, <clears throat> igniting transition runs with long rebounds and kicking it out, letting Will Richards and those guys get hot, let Lofton get going. Like, you got to keep those guys um, – you got to keep those guys at bay and kind of keep them under control. Fudge is another guy that's a wild card um for them that you got to kind of keep your eye on, um, especially when it comes to offensive rebounding. I think that's going to be one of the biggest things, the way he goes to the board so long and been taking up two guys. You got to be able to match their intensity. But um, I do think full-court pressure could, make, could force them into playing. Like, I know they want to run. That's what we're used to with Florida, but I'm not sure they – They've all the way embraced um, Coach Golden's style, you know. And you, like what Caleb was talking about, he's a big time numbers guy. So if they're not knocking down the three, he wants them to go to the hole. And if they they got to if you got to think for too long in basketball and not react and play instinctively, then that can get you. And hopefully Tennessee can apply enough pressure to get out, and get some easy buckets, shoot the ball well, and if not, get inside and um, create some easy putbacks.
4: Ron, great stuff as always. Uh, SEC Network one hundred four point five, the Zone, and uh, just absolutely keep crushing it. We appreciate you and have a fantastic day, sir. All
3: right, what's up with y'all in the chat? I see y'all, man. What's what's happening on the trade? Well, we
4: we're discussing. We we're discussing Peyton Manning. Um, ah, okay, just because Tom Brady retired, I saw that. Right? So uh,
3: he, he retired again.
4: Uh, again, again. Yeah. Caleb, Just, Caleb believes firmly that Peyton Manning is the better quarterback. Um I, I had to I had to go Brady. Uh what are your thoughts? Oh
3: <laughs> <laughs> All right, you, you wanna know Peyton Peyton is my guy, man. Peyton is my guy. I'm a um I can it's it's only one way I can vote with this. I pay Peyton, Peyton Manning, I gotta go Peyton Manning. I would I would love to have an unbiased approach, but um, with the relationship with Peyton and me being able to watch him work, come back in the offseason season and the things that like, I, I remember being up there in the summer in the complex probably was my junior year. I was up at rehab and, and Peyton came back Dante Stallworth and all those guys were there. They were in there doing the 707. seven seven. And man, this man I'm sitting there doing my, my box jumps. I mean, my box squats mm-hmm. outside just watching him and Chad Newman, and this man was audible calling audibles in 707 <laughs> like i'm like i'm like dude you just got here like y'all it ain't like y'all been in film you know what i'm saying this is just they break the huddle hey man boom bam bill <laughs> call the audible and it's a whole different route i'm like is anybody watching this? This man is a scientist in 707, and he worked with these receivers before. Now, man, I know we have some good receivers, but good God Almighty, man. This dude, Peyton, Peyton, different, man. So Peyton that SNL different. sketch
5: of him playing with the kids, that was accurate as yeah, that's, that's
3: real. That's real. <laughs> that's, that's real. And I know, I know to reach that level, man, you got to have a certain craziness about the seven. I'm sure Tom has the same thing, but. Man, I just saw it so many times for Peyton, man. Like, it's honestly, Tom had really good teams, really good coaching around him. Peyton, really, the way his arm strength was in that Denver um, um, season, shouldn't have won the Super Bowl. For him to be able to go out and win that Super Bowl and not be a liability to the point where he's the reason they lose it, and you know he ain't really got arm strength, but he's still able to make up. A has a has to sideline throw and you like we ain't supposed to make th- make that throw, but him to dig down and get it there ain't nothing like Peyton. Man, I got I got to go with the share.
4: Well, I believe firmly that Peyton changed the game with the the freeze plays and calling two plays coming the line of scrimmage, and that came from David Cutcliffe at Tennessee. I don't think Tennessee's football staff department. I don't think they get enough credit because everybody does that now. Mm-hmm. You go to the line with two plays, and whatever the sign is, Omaha or whatever, yep. you're, you're basically – you have two plays in the line of scrimmage. But yep. seven Super Bowls, seven Super Bowls.
3: Now, that's – that's listen, Dave, that's serious. That is serious. Like, it ain't – there's no disputing that. But I, I, I just had to say, though, man, like, although <laughs> could, – could you, could you plug and go with Peyton in Brady's spot? I'm gonna say yes. I would agree with that. Yes. Could yeah, you I plug you- and go? Could you plug and go with Brady in Peyton's spot? No, uh I will say no. Because because of the development and everything that took place over the time ta- over time. You know yeah. what I'm saying? No, I just no, think I just mentally, my argument for me. <laughs> I, I just think mentally he's different, man. Reason being, like, here's another one. So Blaine Hitman, um Bishop, um, is on a radio station and I always talk to him and you know, try to pick his brain. He always tell a story about Peyton when they were playing the coach. He said he would walk up to the line and Peyton would do s- such a great job on film study. When he walked to the line, Peyton would look only at him. So he'd come up to the line, look at him and the way Blaine's feet placement was, the way he placed his feet, he would know if he's bailing or if they're pressing. So he would peep all this out. So Blaine said he had to start using it when he went in for the next game. He went and used it to his like. He was like, "Why does he keep looking at my feet?" Keep so he figured it out. So he said he came back the next game and did it twice. And Peyton went and found something else. He didn't even mess with Blaine anymore no because he changed it up and and could understand when he couldn't understand anymore. And he said it made him a better player because now he had to go with look the same look every time in order to confuse guys because they were he was tipping people off so it's that it's those little things that like and i'm sure brady does this too but man just to know that peyton does it, it's different you know what i mean i the peers the peers always tell it for me man that is bizarre wow that is, yeah. <laughs> you look at people i would have never thought of that
4: no me neither uh <laughs> Great great stuff, Ron. We look forward to seeing you on uh, SEC Network. And if people are in Nashville, they can check you out on 104.5 The Zone with Don Davenport and uh, Brent Doherty, who's a pretty good cat himself. So, buddy, have a fantastic day. We appreciate you.
3: No doubt, y'all. Y'all be easy. Go Vols, man. It, brute for the number two Vols, man. Get on your feet. Quit sitting number back two, and watching the game. Number two. There we go. Yeah, don't cheer back in your seat like this. Be on the edge of your seat cheering like this. It, it makes more sense. <laughs>
4: Thanks, oh <laughs> play. fantastic brought to you by zach england of best of brock zach england zach's got your back personal injury attorney in the chattanooga area and he is fantastic go toe-to-toe with the insurance company attorneys and he'll win uh celia saying peyton manning is the goat uh caleb is greater than dave go be orange
5: <laughs> by the way I think Denver would very gladly take even noodle arm 2015 Peyton Manning back right now over what they've seen. (laughs) I think Russell Wilson has more toilets in his house than he threw touchdown passes last year. It's brutal.
4: Uh, Brutal. Uh, The message board reads brought to you by big orange Phillies. Big orange Phillies is on Maynardville Pike and they have great food. They're family friendly and they're close to Maynardville and close to North Knoxville. So you can absolutely enjoy a great time watching the games. Definitely, you need to be there for the Super Bowl. The Final Four is right around the corner. That's Big Orange Phillies on Maynardville Pike. They've also got darts, billiards, and more. So uh, also Cornhole and karaoke, which uh, Caleb said he's going to sing. Uh, was it uh, Shania Twain? Is that what you said you were going
5: to no, sing? No, Mariah Carey is always my baby. It's my go-to. Um Yep. Yeah that's oh, oh and Tupac's Hail Mary yes I can do Tupac's that, that, that's total like flip always be my baby versus Hail Mary you know S- same vibe of a song
4: yeah it's exact same Viles Automotive group the epicenter of car shopping in Knoxville and they've got the selection they've got the right cars They've got everything you need, including the best customer service they want, they need, and they appreciate your business. Files Automotive Group also has a service department that will treat you fairly. Again, that's what they're about. Files Automotive Group on Callahan Drive. He's Caleb Calhoun. I'm Dave Hooker. For Caleb Giroux, Ron Slay, I'm this, what, is Off the Hook Sports. Have a fantastic day, everyone.